Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, if you're ready, I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. Here we go. Woo! Golly. We're doing it again. What a week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's Monday. It is Monday, and that doesn't make it easy. Uh, no. But we at least have this to look forward to. No, it's Monday, and we got rain. Oh, my I gosh. I swear to the Lord. It's been monsooning today. Right? I went to see my doctor today, and as I was checking out, the nurse said, I've been praying for rain. I said, well, will you stop? Could you stop it? <laughs> like, you know, can you, can you call up Jesus and say we're good? Yeah. Or could you next time, like, say... Hey, I'm praying for an inch of rain. Right. She said, well, it's been so hot. I wanted it to cool off. I said, well, did you forget to ask for the cool off part? Yeah, exactly. Because it doesn't <laughs> usually, it doesn't, this time of year here in the low country, it doesn't come off with a cooling, come come with a cooling off. It does not. It just makes it more humid. The steam rises up from the roads. Yes. And there's uh, dang mosquitoes. And the mosquitoes, they wake up and they're like, oh, this is us. This is us. And then they attack, attack. Yeah. So sad. It is. It's really difficult. I agree. To deal with. And it's a Monday. And then on top of that, you just got the normal riffraff going. Just just the normal, normal everyday riffraff. Riff which, you know, that's enough to... People don't know how to act. They don't know how to be. They don't know how to be. Everybody's all out of sorts. And I feel like if I don't start day drinking, mm -hmm. it's just going to get rowdy. I think it's going to get rowdy when you day drink as well. <laughs> I think when I day drink it a lot, I'll, I won't care as much. You think? Well, that's what I was hoping I don't for. think so. I think you're just going to get mouthier. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So, speaking of day drinking, ooh, we're drinking something new, and I'm so excited oh, about it. Delicious. It is so scrumptious. I feel like I'm drinking a bourbon milkshake. It does seem like that. Yes. Oh, it's, it's not real bitey. It's not bitey at all. Not at all. No. It's smooth. It's smooth enough that I can definitely get drunk quick on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying real hard not to guzzle this. I know. But I, I just know. want to. You're not normally a sip. Go, 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 go. I've been talking. <laughs> That's why I, I, I find that I can't talk and sip at the same time. I haven't figured that one out yet. Oh, keep working on it. So what we're drinking tonight is Buffalo Trace Bourbon Cream. So you've heard of Bailey's Irish Cream. Well, this is the same kind of thing, but take out that Irish Cream and you put in some bourbon and some cream, and it's real good. It's delish. I know it's it sounds weird because people are delicious. like, bourbon and milk, but somehow it works. It's working, and um, it's a little sweet. I would, you know, maybe in a different setting, I would maybe do a half a shot floater on top of bourbon. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, or I would just put this in my coffee. Oh, also good. Yeah, Buffalo Trace, go go look for it in the liquor store or the ABC, 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 the ABC store or whatever, the Red Dot store, whatever you call it in your area and see if you can find it. But hey, Buffalo Trace, we could use a sponsor. Oh, yeah, because you know what? We've never had a sponsor. Buffalo Trace bourbon. This is the first for Buffalo Trace. <laughs> and it's mixed with creams. We and it's have their it product. And if we could get a sponsorship, we would just so love that. Yes. So if anybody has any kind of connections to Buffalo Trace. Holla at them, your girls. Please let them know that we desperately would love for them to sponsor our podcast. Yes, those zany sisters from Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Brought to you by Buffalo Trace. Can you oh, imagine? Yeah. Every single opening would be Buffalo Sugar Trace. Co, Sugar Co. Sugar Co. and Buffalo. <laughs> 
I haven't even had but two sips of this. And I can't even talk. Right. I think it's because I haven't had enough sips. I think so too. So anyway, that's what we're drinking. And I have brought food to the table. Yes. And it, it is so aromatic. That's such a good word. Thank you. That is a really good SAT word. Thank you. I did not do well on my SATs. Well enough to get into to one college, the only college that I applied to. That's all it counts. That's really, I mean, it was like a one and done. Yeah. I need this this score to get in that college done. Got it. Check mark. Why? why I mean, what else do you got to do? Nothing. Nothing. You just got to show up for orientation. And I didn't even graduate from that college. So whatever. 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 I'm going to tell you about this little recipe for blueberry cobbler. Oh, love blueberry cobbler. First tell, of all. Tell them where you got your blueberries from. Boone Hall. Who got your blueberries for you? My mama. They went blueberry picking and they picked a bunch of blueberries and I got some so I could make some cobbler. Yes. Thank you, Mother Nature and Boone Hall and Mama. This very simple recipe is going to make your whole life wonderful. and. I'm just going to tell you right now, all you do is reach for the Bisquick first. I mean, if they make a product that is just already mixed together stuff that you'd have to mix together anyway, use it. I agree. I completely it's agree. a lot less mixing, a lot less dirtying things. I agree. And a lot less time before Bisquick you get the blueberry up. cobbler into your mm-hmm, mouth. Mm-hmm. This here recipe is, and you can you can email us if you want the recipe. I'm sure you can look up a recipe saying blueberry cobbler using Bisquick, whatever, whatever, however you want to float your boat. But we know, we all know you didn't just use that straight recipe. So go ahead no, and tell us how you did it. I will tell you what the recipe calls for. It calls for six tablespoons of melted butter, one and a quarter cups of Bisquick, a half a cup of sugar, two thirds cup of milk, and three cups of fresh blueberries. Mm. The first thing that I do to my blueberries is I dust them with flour so that they don't all sink. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is I feel like it should have some kilo vanilla in it. Yeah. So I add a teaspoon of kilo vanilla. Yeah. Just to ump it up. Ump it up. Ump it. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the for the half a cup of sugar, I like brown sugar. Mm-hmm. So I did a quarter cup of each. I was not brave enough to just do the full half cup of brown sugar. Mm-hmm. So I did a quarter cup and a quarter cup, but I like brown sugar. I do too. I think it gives it a richer taste. I do too. And we are sophisticated. We are so people. sophisticated. And then, you know, the milk, I just use milk. Yeah. that's. I didn't add any liquor to this. Oh, man. So what you do is you melt your butter and you pour it into an eight by an eight inch or a nine inch square baking dish. Or like I have a small oblong one and I don't know what it is, maybe eight by 11 or eight by 10. Little, little, it's a little, little oblong one. Yeah. That's the one I use. Mm-hmm. And pour your butter, your melted butter in it. And then you mix your sugar, your kilo vanilla, your milk and your bacon, your bacon mix, your bisquick. You mix that all together, and I just use a whisk. It's no, I mean, you don't have to get the beaters out or anything. I whisk it, and I try to get as many of the lumps out as, as I possibly can. You pour that onto the butter. Do you stir it into the butter? No, you pour it on top. Just on top of the butter. You pour it right on top of the butter. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you sprinkle it with your blueberries. Okay. And then you put so it. So you don't even have to cook those blueberries. You just no. put them in raw. You put them in raw. Rawr. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Piper doesn't like us saying that. And then you stick it in your 350 degree preheated oven and you bake it for 42 to 47 minutes. Took mine about 45. It comes out golden brown and bubbly. Mm. And it's just great. I wonder what kind of liquor we could put in there to, to zhuzh it up next time. I feel like we could do. Let's go with the blueberry. I mean, I feel like an amaretto. Would oh, really do really would good with lovely. this. Lovely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll try it next time. Or if you wanted to add a citrus note, maybe Grand Marnier. Oh, ooh, even yay. Oh, yeah. Even yay? Yeah. <laughs> Did you forget the Grand Marnier? No, I think I was going to say even better. Yay. Okay. <laughs> even, even yay. I mean, that's a good one. Even yay. I think that's French. <laughs> It sounds, I think it sounds Cajun. Somebody look that up. I think it's Cajun. Mm-hmm. Yay. <laughs> it's definitely Cajun, which has French root. That's right. It, you are definitely right. Yeah. And then when you bring it out, serve it warm and put some ice cream with it. Don't be stingy. But then the next morning, feel free to eat it cold from the fridge because I do and mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If there's any left. It's rare in my family that it's, there's yeah. any left. You've got a big brood. Well, i got a big brood and we like some cockabler. <laughs> we didn't. I don't know. And I mean, blueberry cobbler is our favorite. My gosh. You know what else would be good? Remember when we used to make those strawberry shortcakes from the Bisquick recipe? Yes. Y'all, if you never made those, you need to look it up. Those are they're the good. best. They are so yeah, good. Yeah, you can cook these blueberries down yes. until they're juicy. And drizzle them over this and just shortcake. Yeah, you'd almost have like a blueberry dumpling. Oh, my Lord, that'd be good. Yes. So you could do like, it would almost be like when you order sausage gravy and it's open face, and then they pour the gravy all over it. That's oh, what yeah. you could do with this blueberry mix. Yes. Because it would be like, you know, juicy. Yes. Girl, stop. Mm-mm. Boy, Santa. <laughs> <laughs> That's All nice. right. Well, delicious. What did you bring Love to the it. table? I brought a murder. Yeah. I actually brought some headlines because I was just, as I was writing up this murder, I was looking through some headlines, trying to pick out which one I wanted. And I was like, what, what is happening in the world? I feel like the world is just topsy-turvy. It, there's something weird going on. I know you and I have been saging some and yeah. doing some Palo Santo. Oh, yeah. I've, been, I've got some going right now. Setting off some smoke detectors. I, have, I saged this afternoon and smoke smoke detectored it off. Yeah, we did it in my car. Yeah. I'll take some upstairs and do it at my place. Yep. We got something. There's something floating above and we got to get it. We got to like get it. It's time to get it but out. But if you're going to sage, you need to follow it up with some Palo Santo. Yeah, you got to get rid of the bad and bring in the good. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just stuck. Well, the sage clears it all. You yeah. don't want to clear everything and then not replace it with good stuff. No. You don't want to just take your chances on what comes into that space next. No. I only invite good things. That's right. Well, that's what you do at Palo Santo. I say bad things, bad things go away. Good things, good things come to stay. That's what I do. All right. Okay. Well, I don't know why you don't. Um, I guess I never thought to. I just felt like burning the Palo Santo was enough. I didn't have to chant. You don't have to do words. You have to do words. I don't chant. Tell them what you want. Well, that's things. manifesting. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. Hi, this is Jill, the host of the Murder Shelf Book Club podcast. Each month or so, I feature a true crime book by one of my favorite authors and delve into their story. But I don't stop there. A psychology educator for 30 years who's also studied serial killers, I apply what I've learned to these cases, doing a deep dive, analyzing and updating the story since publication. Told in trilogies, part three is dubbed second cast as I cast a wide net following the threads not tugged on and taking the path not followed in the books. 
and going into some surprising, bone-chilling directions. Cold cases, homicide, missing persons, serial killers, family annihilators, cases from history, the stories that fascinate and appall us. This is a true crime book club, so read with me, or in these busy times, let me read for you. Join Murder Shelf Book Club Podcast and see what I'm pulling off the Murder Shelf next. Okay. All right. These are some of the headlines. Give me some headlines. All right. Here we go. Man charged after dead body found in garment bag. That is not a good use of garment bag. No. I don't feel like after that you can ever put a suit in there. No. No. What are you going to do with a garment bag? What if it's it's monogrammed? Then what? Yeah, then what? Uh, Waste your garment bags. They're... They're not easy to come by. They're not. Not anymore. Yeah, especially of good quality. Yeah, otherwise you're just putting your garments in, in a trash bag. We'll you're put your body in the, ba- in the trash bag and your clothes in the garment Thank bag. Thank you. Don't get it twisted. Whoa. Charles Manson follower, one step closer to freedom. No, why, guys? Why? why? No, let's just know. There should not be any closer to freedom. There should be no freedom. No. Testimony starts in case of man who murdered his stepdaughter. Florida lawyer accused of murder appears in court. So the man who is accused of killing his stepdaughter, that's the Alyssa attorney missing stepdaughter trial that Sarah attorney is a, a is a, a hero when it comes to podcasting for victims. And she started a podcast to get that case looked at and opened and all that kind of stuff against her dad. Right. And who was a Alyssa's stepdad. Mm-hmm. It was Alyssa and Sarah were half sisters. Right. I watched a little bit of that trial today, and Sarah has been on the stand. Oh, wow. And she's very poised, and I'm so proud of her because for some reason the defense attorney is very angry. Really? And I don't know why he's going to be angry at her, but he's like really trying to take her to task on, on if she really did even like her sister. Really? And wasn't her sister a handful? What, what? does that mean? Like, what does that mean? I'm I a think- handful, so kill me. Well, see, the problem is there's no body. For heaven's sake. It's a nobody trial. Right, right. I feel like... Is it a jury trial? Yes, and here's the crazy thing. It's happening in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arizona. And there's only eight jurors mm-hmm. instead of 12. They have 12 seated, but only eight will go back to the room to deliberate, but they won't know. Right, right. That's until... how they did it in the Murdoch. The Murdoch yeah. Case. And then on top of that, well, no, because in the Murdoch case, they knew who was going into the room to deliberate. Oh, they They did? knew who the alternates were. Okay. This trial, you don't even know if you're an alternate or a seated juror. Like, oh. they're all together. And Okay, until they go back to the room. Yeah. Okay. In Arizona, the jury gets to ask questions of the witness. So, you've got direct and then cross and then redirect. And then when they're done before the witness steps out of that box, the judge asks if they have any questions for that witness. That's where they ask their questions. They can ask it directly to the witness? They have to write it down and send it to the judge. Okay. Interesting. Wow. But that's really interesting. That is interesting. So hopefully, you know, they're all paying attention. Triple murder suspect lived with victims' bodies for days. That's gross. It's gross. That's just untidy. Lawyer tied to rapes by DNA left on drinking glasses is accused of five more. Way to go, attorney. I mean, our attorneys are going to hell, too. Yeah. They're just going to hell in a handbasket I mean, get right it together. now. The world is askew. And then I came across the, this one that I'm that I'm going to talk about about these idiot kids in Iowa who decided 
they were going to kill their Spanish teacher. It's just because of a bad grade. Actually, I'll say I think the media has really played up on the whole bad grade thing. Because when you listen to the testimony and witnesses that kind of came forward, but it wasn't all over a bad grade. This kid just didn't like her. Right. He just didn't like her. He just felt like she was after him or not after him, but he didn't, she didn't like him or on his case or something. It just is the weirdest thing. Aren't teachers supposed to be on your case? Like, isn't that kind of their job? Yeah, I think so. And if you're in their class and you're not doing well, or you're not following instructions or whatever, aren't they supposed to kind of call you out on that a little bit? I feel like they are, but I whatever. All right, I'm going to talk about the story. And it took me a long time to write it. And then I went back and read what I wrote. And I realized that I wrote what happened to this woman like three different times. And I think probably what I did was I got it wrong. And somehow she drove me to get it right. She was like, no, you didn't you, get it you right. Missed it. You missed you it. You missed it. You got to keep, yeah, you got to keep yeah. looking and back. Yeah, that's very teacher-like, right? Very teacher-like, yeah. yes. They don't always give you the answer, but they, they point you in the direction to find the answer, and they're going to keep sending you back to get the answer. That's right. So and that's what it, she done did. Third time's a charm. That's right. Hopefully I'm not repetitive. I'll be able to figure out where I stopped and started. But let me just tell you a little bit about this. Spanish teacher. She was 66 years old when this happened to her, but um, her name is Noema. Okay. And they pronounce it, they're better at it than I am. Is it Noema? Noema, but they say it fast and it's oh, just yeah. like it flows beautifully. Right. Last name Graber, Noema. I'll remember that, Noema. She decided to go back to school and get an English degree and a teaching certificate. She had she had worked as a flight attendant for 17 years and studied to become a commercial airline pilot. She wow. actually became one of the first women in Mexico who was trained to fly passenger jets. Look at her, Noema. Right. She's a trailblazer. Trailblazer. When Noema and her husband, Paul, moved to the United States in 1992. The 50 nifty United States? Yes. Okay. She decided to give up her flight career and she started to raise a family. She had some some babies. Aw. Noema was very active in her church, and she was a guiding light to her Latino community. She really was kind of a liaison between the church and that community. As a matter of fact, she did a lot of good. And two, in, no, not two, 20. In 2012, she got a job as a Spanish teacher at Fairfield High School in Fairfield, Iowa. Okay. She would always tell her students, be more secure. But she would be see more. she would see her students start to say something in Spanish and then hesitate. Uh, because they were second guessing themselves. Yeah. So it's more like have faith in yourself. Yeah. She would tell them, be more secure. Oh, I like that. She left her students and her job, and she was known as a compassionate teacher, always willing to go the extra mile to help her students succeed in her class. She was a tough teacher, a, a strict teacher, but she was always willing to help, answer questions, whatever. Noema loved to read, and she was an avid walker. Yeah, well, she teachers the are. Walk. They got to have that walk. They got to have that transition to come. She enjoyed the walk. Yeah. And there was a park over close, not far from the school that she would walk in called uh, Chattaqua. I think that's what they called it, Chattaqua Park. I could be saying it wrong. It's it's like a long Chattaqua. That's it. What's going to call it? All right. So she would go and walk um, after school. She had her routine. You know, she she did her whole routine thing. I couldn't find any more background, but sometime between 1992 and 
2021. 2021? Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. She and her husband divorced, but they were still very committed to one another. And her husband had cancer and she was involved in helping him get his treatments and stuff. Okay. Um, But they had, at that time, parted ways. Okay. But she was very, she must have been a very nurturing, caring person to, to go back and help take care of your ex. That's that's a that's a big that's a big deal for somebody to do that. It absolutely goes to show she had a big heart. So on November the third, twenty twenty one, she gets done with school and she goes over to the park for her walk, but she never made it home. Mm. She was reported missing. When police went to the park to see if they could find where she was, they found her body hidden under a tarp with a wheelbarrow and railroad ties over her. What? Her body Somebody had, just put a, a wheelbarrow over her, like flipped it over and covered her up? Correct. Like somebody was just, like people were just going to be like, oh, that's a wheelbarrow. I'm not going to see what's under it. Correct. That's dumb. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> As word spread about the beloved Spanish teacher, some people went to the police station with information. And when I say some people, I mean young people. Students. They could have been students. They were they were juveniles, so okay. their identity has been protected. Sure. So I don't know a hundred percent. I would guess that they were students. My guess is they were students of hers that had had her in class, or perhaps students in that high school. That would be my guess as well. Okay. So they came forward and showed police some Snapchat messages. Uh-oh. From these two kids that went to the high school. Two, two boys. Yeah. Police obtained a search warrant and arrested Willard Miller. He's got a bunch of other names, but I'm going to call him Willard. Good. 16 and Jeremy. He probably don't Hidio. like that name. He probably doesn't. That's not the name that he goes by. Oh, that's so. then we're definitely saying Willard. Yeah, we're calling him Willard. And Jeremy Goodale. Uh-huh. Goodale. Um, almost immediately, Goodale confessed. Oh. And agreed to testify against Willard. Initially, Willard pled not guilty. Okay. His attorney even went and argued that they had, the police had gotten some search warrants illegally or whatever. And I think some evidence came out and Willard had a come to Jesus meeting and he pled guilty. Okay. Once he found out his friend Jeremy was, was yeah, telling the state's evidence and the evidence. I mean, come on. So <laughs> we're going to get to saying, that. Yes. Are we going to get to that? <laughs> Once the blah, 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 with the lines, blah, 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 and the, the lines. Okay, okay. So according to, according, uh, blah, 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 there were some lines. There were lions, yada, yada, there's yada, some yada. documents. There's some evidence. So Willard did not like Noema as a teacher. He complained about What was her her last name? Graber. Miss Graber. That's probably what he called her. Miss Graber. I don't know. He may have. I don't know. Sometimes out of disrespect, young people will call older people by their first name. <gasps> That really grates on my nerves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really grates on my nerves, especially mm-hmm. a teacher. You don't do that to a teacher. No, no, it's no. weird. It's not okay. I don't know. Maybe in different parts of the country, it's different. But I know for us, we just always, even our friends' parents, yeah. we never called them by their first name. No, it was yeah. But I, but I have seen people with teenagers now. Where there are some kids that call the parents by their first name. So I have. So when when my daughter was growing up, there were 
her friends addressed me as Miss Karen, mm-hmm. but they always said Mr. But he was a teacher and they had him right. as a teacher. And so right. they recognized him. Or if he was coaching them, they, they called him coach. Yeah. They either called him Mr. Our last name or they called him coach. coach. Right. But they would have never come and called him by his first name. Never. Unless they were joking around. Right. But I don't even think and joking. Yeah. No. I don't know. I honestly don't. No, probably And not. now still, the, these girls are in their 30s, and they still refer to him as Coach. Right. Or Mr. Ipidiopity. Right. Ipidiopity. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ipidiopity? Yes, that's his name. He's, he's Mr. Ipidiopity. <laughs> the tiny tinkler. Oh, gosh, don't bring that up. He doesn't like it. I know, but oh, my God. I know. I think it's a compliment. I guess somewhere in conversation that the media picked up, there was a comment that... Willard thought Miss Graber was was bringing down his GPA. I don't know if that's yeah. That I think maybe that was one thing that came out, and the media was like, "Ooh, we'll take that." Yeah, we'll take that one. But he really didn't like her. He didn't like her method of teaching. Like he has He's a kid. Her, you like, don't get to a, say you're in you're in high school. You're not you don't have a teaching degree, right? You don't get to say right. And I can remember when your daughter was in high school, she had a Spanish teacher that was really oh not nice. Not nice at all. Picked on her relentlessly. Bullied her. Bullied her. Yes. And she didn't kill her. She didn't kill her, nor did she call her by her first name. She was not allowed to be disrespectful to her. No. I was disrespectful to her. Right. And it's different. Because I'm an adult and you talk on the an adult level. Right. But my daughter was not. She was in middle school. She wasn't allowed. And even in high school, when teachers didn't like her. Um, it was just, this is what you have to get used to because yeah. you're going to meet people in life that you don't like, but you still have to get along with them. Right. And some of those people are going to be your bosses, your coworkers, your in-laws, your cousin from Mississippi, whatever. Yeah. And when you think about on, on a scale of this minute and your life, that teacher it's, is like a tiny, tiny yeah. blip on the screen. And looking back, that teacher is probably teaching more, teaching you more than any other teacher that you like. Right. Because she's teaching you patience. She's teaching you how to adjust and pivot. Right. And when you go to college, professors don't even know you. They no. don't give a crap about no. you. They don't know you. They don't want to know you. You're passing through. You're lucky if they even know your name. Yeah. Exactly. So get used to it. When right. you're in high school, this is just preparing you. If you have one teacher that's getting on your nerves, count yourself lucky. Yeah. It's like, you know, maybe a month or so before this whole murder thing took place, Willard starts really talking about how he really doesn't like her. Okay. And how he wants to to do something and he just won't let it go. So he keeps talking to his friends and he is actually saying, I want to get rid of her. No, I don't think he ever said that to any of his friends. Okay. I think that he's talking like teenage talk, you know, man, I hate, I wish she'd go away or yeah, I wish she'd die. You know what I'm saying? Just that kind of thing. He actually mentioned it to his friend, Jeremy one day and, you know, a few days pass by they're in the lunchroom Jeremy goes to put his lunch tray away and Willard comes over and he said, will you help me kill her? Will you help me kill Miss Graber? And Jeremy said he he kind of thought for a minute and he said, sure. See, and if you, if somebody had said that to me, I'd have laughed at them and, and thought they were joking. Yeah. And if they weren't joking, I'd have peed a little bit and run away. <laughs> 
been a scared of that person. Oh. I would never have looked at them and been like, sure, I'll help you. Yeah. And it just uh, watching this interview with this Jeremy kid, it's like the detective says, now, when you said, sure, did you like, what were you thinking? Were you yeah. thinking about the consequences when you had to pause? And he said, no, I was thinking about being a good friend. I and that even, happens so much. I with didn't kids. even consider the consequences. Exactly. He never even like it, the consequences never played out in his mind. And that's I'm not surprised because, you know, kids, their brains aren't fully developed. But I'm just going to say and I'm not blaming anybody's parents because p- parents don't raise their children to be monsters. I'm I'm convinced of it. Right. But parents need to keep checking on their kids, take the temperature of the room yeah. daily, yeah, more than once a day, because it's going to change from the time they leave to the time they come back at night. Sure. It's going to change. Something's going to happen. And, you know, I have a kid that, that he was a hothead. Right. I knew that he didn't understand what he was saying. Right. And it was scary. And I was constantly taking the temperature of his well-being constantly right through i mean this started in elementary school for him and then you know we had to work on it a lot and then and keep it in check constantly i just didn't let it go you just brush it off no it was a stop everything and let's talk about this right now situation i think that especially when you have a kid who is not a troublemaker mm-hmm. who you know they they get pretty good grades i mean obviously this kid cared about his gpa right it was important to him so this is the type of kid that parents probably would not take the temperature of that kid every day just to see where the emotional well-being was because they they've got it they from all appearances they've got it together. Right. As the, a parent, I think you have to assume my kid doesn't have it together. Yeah. Just assume that every single day until they're 18. Every day. It's your job. And is your job. And it should be and something. And we're like that, we were probably maybe over vigilant with our kids. But I'm sure. They've turned out to be wonderful human beings. They are very compassionate, empathetic human beings. And I think it's because we constantly checked on their well-being right as far as what are you thinking what are you what are the words coming out of your mouth and what's behind those words that's the thing and we told them it's okay to not like somebody you cannot like somebody okay. all day long you don't you have can. you're gonna not like people yeah you don't you get have to coexist everybody. with them that's though. right and that's what you have to do and it's very difficult to learn that well, our but, family also has a low tolerance for people that are idiots. Yes. And I'm not saying we're like above. above no, because we're, we're idiots we're super too. smart. But if you're just going to go out and be completely stupid and irrational, then we really are not probably no. not going to be hanging with you. Yeah. That's just not who we are. We're, right. We're more analytical than anything. Yeah. And I think it's because our kids grew up. Uh, well, my kids, I don't know about yours. My kids were a little bit afraid of me. <laughs> and so they didn't want to completely go off with the kids that were like being completely out of hand yeah. and crazy because they were a little bit afraid of what was going to happen when they got home. And I know my daughter had friends that were more afraid of me than their own parents because I didn't put up with any bullshit. Yeah. I didn't scream and yell at them. I just called it when I saw it. Right. And we have a look. We we There's it's a look. A, a inherited look that, yeah. we, that we have that can cause people to to cry 
or back up a couple of steps. Yeah, let me take a step or two back. Um, and and I, I have a delivery with a very flat tone. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, didn't help. And back then I was, the matter I got, the the quieter I got, but the more my my Southern accent would come out <laughs> and I would talk, I, I would talk real slow and I would get like real twangy and they would be like, there's some kind of a metamorphosis going on here and we don't know who this is. Yeah. So, but anyway, I'm just saying it's more important today than ever to keep checking on the emotional well-being of your kids yeah. until they're 18 and out of your house. And even then, you know, if you've, if trouble has been afoot, then keep tabs on them until they're 21. Right. Ask questions. Ask questions, Ask questions and make them not, answer you. I'm sorry, but when you're but when you're a teenager like this and your brain is not fully developed, that's when you rely the most heavily on your parents because there's such an influence on the outside world yes. to teach them right from wrong and to teach them kindness and empathy and to learn how to tolerate things that make you uncomfortable, that make you unhappy, that make you mad. And learn how to make happy, decisions that may not emotion. make you the most popular person at right. that moment. And, but and to it's know. okay to have emotions. Yes. It's okay to express those Absolutely. emotions. So anyway, we've gotten way we've gone off on a mama tangent. It's not about us. This is about. It's not about us, but I worry about the youths. The, the I use. worry about the use, but there is not one single solitary we can do. Only thing we can do is keep our house clean. Yeah. And I'm just going to say mine can be a little dusty at times. Yeah. Everybody's can be <laughs> dusty. <laughs> I mean, I can be dusty sometimes mm-hmm. and I have to be reminded, but somehow these two didn't, they, there was no check. There wasn't that switch that goes off in your head that says, ding, ding, ding. This is not a good idea. This is going to go very, very badly yeah. because they, they planned everything and emailed each other back and forth about it. And they made a list. These are the things that we need to take with us. We need to, to take water, stay hydrated. Oh, stay we hydrated. Need to take okay. a knife, a pocket knife. We need to take a bat. We're going to kill her with a bat. Oh, but no. let's take a knife just in case. We need to, a knife, a bat. Uh, we're going to need um, some kind of transportation. To get away, we what's the location? Like everything, everything. And obviously, they had a wheelbarrow, and we're gonna need and a tarp. Did you say she was covered with a tarp or was, something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. had to get that too. Yeah, yeah. And um, when you're 16, do you go buy those things with your own allowance, or do you take that out of your parents' garage? I think you take it out of your parents' garage. I think so too. So at this point, as I'm writing things down, I wrote down exactly what they did. Oh, good. Here we go. I wrote it all Buckle down. Buttercup. And here's one page. And then Uh-oh. I started all over again. Let's read the one it. that was the last one that you wrote that you got right. Okay. <laughs> Let me just make sure. That Miss Graber approved. Ms. The Gra- one this is the one approved. that she wants me to tell you. Okay, good. They arrive at the park. They're at that park, right? Where she goes walking? Yes. Chattacooka. Chattacooka. <laughs> whatever the park where she goes walking jeremy gets there first and he's hanging out talking to some friends over i think there must have been like a skate park or something there it it was a very active park and he's talking to his friends and he looks over and he sees willard walking but willard has come to the park and not gone to the place that jeremy said come meet me here oh jeremy has to say goodbye to his friends and go run after willard because you know willard's like on a path he's going they have been at school they had 
Willard's the one that wanted to kill her. Willard's on it. This Willard. Okay. And Jeremy's the one that said, Being sure, a good I'll help friend. you. Right. I'm a good friend. I'm going to help you. Yes. Willard is making a beeline. Now, they had been up at school, mm-hmm. and they knew that she was packing up and leaving. So there was a time. They knew the yeah. time. So Willard and Jeremy go over, and they there's... I guess maybe like an access road, kind of a little bit off the beaten path of the actual trail. Okay. And that's where they decide to go. They've got, Willard's got the backpack with all the supplies in it and the bat. And where's the wheelbarrow? Don't, the wheelbarrow has not come into play yet. Okay. The wheelbarrow has not come into play. They're standing kind of off to, in a wooded area and Willard looks over at Jeremy and he nods and Miss Graver walks past. Oh. He jumps out and he whacks her. On the back of the head with the bat. She didn't even see it coming. She didn't see it coming. She drops to the ground and he hits her several more times. Then Jeremy and Willard drag her into the wooded area. Is she dead? I'm getting to that. Oh. Now, at this point, Willard goes over to double check the path to make sure nobody's there. Jeremy had originally been the lookout. Now, Willard has gone back to double check and it's just Jeremy and Miss Graver. And as he's standing back there waiting, he hears her gurgle, which indicates that she has not yet died. Oh, my God. So he grabs the bat, and he hits her a few more times. And what he tells the police in his interview is he didn't, he wanted to put her out of her misery. He didn't want her to live that way. How about you just don't start the whole situation? Don't start none. There won't be none. Exactly. Oh, Miss Graber. So, so then awful. Willard comes back and he and he says he could see there's more damage to the woman. And he says, what happened? Did she wake up while I was gone? And Jeremy said, yeah, she made a noise and I had to make sure she was dead. Okay. So then they drag her further into the woods. Okay. At this point, they leap. They leap. They get her keys out of her pocket. Jeremy picks up her water bottle that she had been carried that now has blood on it. And they head to the parking lot to her van. When they get there, I think maybe from where the air conditioner had been leaking or something, there was something that he used to wash off the water bottle. Okay. And then he threw it in a drainage ditch. They get into the van. Well, they also brought their own water to stay hydrated. So he could have poured some of his water onto the water bottle. Yeah. It was very, very difficult to hear because they were playing a video off of a video in the court. And the gentlemen that were conducting the interview had very loud voices. So it was very kind of cracky, cracky. Okay, yeah. They didn't handle their part well. They you can hear him pretty clear, but they need some they better were, audio equipment. They need better audio there. Yeah. They take that van and abandon it, and then they they walk away, and they go home. Um, actually, I think at one point, Jeremy went back to the park, ran into a friend of his, and said, hey, you better leave. Like, there's some stuff going on. You better go. What? And so the girl left. Then they go home. They agreed that they would go back to get rid of the body and okay. clean up the crime scene. Uh-huh. Later that evening, when it's time, Jeremy goes past Willard house. Willard has left a wheelbarrow and a tarp in the driveway. Okay. Jeremy gets the wheelbarrow and the tarp and heads to the park. Willard is at the park scrubbing blood off the trail Oh, to cover up the evidence. And oh, then they wow. both walk back toward the body and the whole way they're kicking dirt to cover yeah, up to cover the blood. Tracks. Right. And the blood. Yeah. Because, you know, they, 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 they drug her. Right. They get to her body 
They lift her up and put her in the wheelbarrow. Come on, God. Jeremy also had a shovel. Like, I'm just going to tell you that if I have a cut and I have to change the Band-Aid and there's blood on it, my own blood, I get so grossed out. Yeah. So I don't know how these kids are doing this. How do they have the stomach for this? I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't know. I don't know how you look at somebody that you've... I don't even... I just can't. I don't know either. It's not something my brain can even... No, I can't process. No, I can't either. They dig a, a little hole and they take... You can imagine in your mind, they take the wheelbarrow and they dump it over. Oh, they just like and flip she, it. she falls into the hole and the, the, they leave the wheelbarrow on top. And then they take the tarp and put the tarp over it. And somebody... I read somewhere there were some... Railroad ties that they put on it. I don't know to to hold the tarp down. I'm not exactly sure where those came into play. They could have they could have gotten them from um, Willard's house. No, I think they were probably in the park because you know. Oh yeah, if there was any kind of landscaping or something, yeah. they could have gone over and gotten them. Yeah, and then they go it. home, and then they go home, and then these two genius kids that are so worried about the GPA start Snapchatting with their friends. About what they did. They told their friends they killed the Spanish On teacher. Snapchat. They talked about the not planning, the execution. I'm saying their GPA doesn't the reflect goes. their lack of intelligence. No, no. The whole thing, the all of it. They just put it, they put it on social media. And you know what? Their friends didn't keep quiet. Good. Their friends. Good for them. Went Good to for the them. Police. Good for them. Good for them. Yes. Because if you see something, if you know something, Freaking say something, because if you stay quiet, you are complicit. You are just as guilty as the person that you know did it. Right. My God. These, friend, these friends went and showed the police what was happening on social media. So had the body been found at this point? The, the body had been found. Somebody had found the body. Yeah, but I think it's all kind of playing out at, all the, same at the same time. time. It's really fast altogether. Okay. Yeah. So they go and get a search warrant and arrest warrants, and they go and arrest Willard and Jeremy. They were both charged with first-degree murder. Like I said before, Willard originally pled not guilty. Then he changed his plea to guilty. Okay. There was a big fight at the beginning about whether or not they were going to charge these two as juveniles or adults. Because when they committed the crime, they were 16. Yeah. And they fought hard about it. And thank God that judge said, no, this is an adult crime. Yeah. It's... It's adult. And you're 16. Yeah. That Well, when they were arrested, they were 17 and 18. Um, No, no, no. When they went to trial, they I were 17 say, and 18. How did, Sorry. how did this happen? Uh, overnight, <laughs> they turned 17 and 18. Yeah, from 16. Right. It was a leap year. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It was a leap year. Come on, do the math. I tried. They're charged, and then they finally go to court. And it's not a jury trial, you know, because they're Guilty. Because they confessed. Jeremy gives a statement, tells the police exactly what happened, and corroborates the stories that are on social media to prove that it was actually originally Willard's idea. But that's about all he could take credit for, because they both... You planned it, you both hit her, Yeah. you both covered it up, hid the body, like you both, that, I mean, I'm sorry, but if you're there and you know you're committing that crime, you're guilty. Yeah. Whether you swung the bat or not. Exactly. They just did the sentencing hearing for Willard. Yes. I had heard that they were doing sentencing. And that, just to let you know, that hearing lasted for eight hours. 
The sentencing hearing lasted for eight hours. There were 10 impact statements. Okay. One impact statement was missing. Uh Uh-oh. This took place, the sentencing hearing took place on June the 30th. On June the 29th, Paul was buried. He passed away just before from his cancer. So he was not able to be there to give his impact statement. And he really, really wanted to be there. Instead, they wrote, they read his obituary as part of the impact statement. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. The judge came in and sentenced Willard to life with the possibility of parole, which is a requirement if you commit the crime when you're 16, when you're a juvenile. That's the law in Iowa. I'm a, I, I'm okay. assuming this was a federal offense, so I'm assuming it's across the board, but I don't know that for sure. Okay. State's attorney had requested a minimum of 30 years before he would be possible for parole. for parole. The judge gave him 35 years. So he has to serve 35 years before he's eligible for parole. Mm-hmm. He's 18. He still would come out. I know. As a bright, shiny penny. He can, uh, with a lot I of mean, life to live. Exactly. The ability to have children and grandchildren. Yes. All of that was taken away from Noema. From, from Noema wow. and her family. Jeremy is scheduled to be sentenced in August pending a psychiatric evaluation. I don't know what that's about. When you listen to, uh, I watched a lot of court. I did not watch it, the court TV stuff when it was happening, but you can watch a lot of the videos online. And when they showed the video of Jeremy talking about what happened to the police, to the police, there's just, there are a couple of times when he pauses and he seems like he like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe I did this. But for the most part, it's very methodical. He goes through the story. He's not emotional. He's like, a, he's not torn up about it, but he's also not mental. Definitely. I mean, he knows that what he's doing is wrong and he's like just trying to be a good friend. He's making bad decisions, but I don't so, so see where he's right, psychiatric. Could, but the problem is he could now be, they could be questioning his current emotional competency right now. And they're hoping maybe that the judge will be more lenient on him. Is that what they're trying to do? Well, yeah, because as he took a plea, he's guilty. I understand he's guilty, but but if they can prove that he is not psychologically mentally fit right now, then then the judge can remand him to a mental institution instead. And sentence him at a later date? Sentence him at a later date. Or, I mean, the judge can override the plea deal. Yeah. So the judge can say he's not competent and he can serve his sentence in a mental hospital. The problem with that is once they deem you cured in a mental institution, you walk out. Right. And I don't think the judge in this case is going to do that because part of that plea deal is they gave up the right to appeal the plea. Okay. And I have a feeling the judge isn't going to overturn the plea. I think he's going to stick to the plea. All right. This kid is not catatonic. I mean, I've seen people. I mean, think about that crazy Lori. What's her name? Ballow. Yeah. Daybell. Whatever. Like when she first got in prison, she was she was psychotic. She's still not all the way there, but she at least is a more functioning human being. Mm-hmm. This kid is not that. It's crazy. So I'm not exactly sure what it is his his attorneys are trying to get out of this. Maybe leniency. Maybe leniency. Maybe. I'm sorry, but I think being eligible for parole after 35 years, after you've beaten your Spanish teacher with a bat. Yeah. 
is lenient. I think so too. I think it's that's very lenient. I completely agree. I because you're, you're right. They they can get out and live a full life. They can get out in their fifties, yeah, and still live a full life. Yep, so. and they can really get in there and do some rehabilitation and turn out to be good human beings. Mm-hmm. One of Noema's children, a son named Christian, gave an impact statement, and he looked at Willard and he said, "I think there's still hope for you." Hmm. I think that you just need to go to jail and find the Lord. I think you need to find the Lord and put your life on a different path. Of course, this kid is non-emotional. But I I saw pe- some clips because, you know, I do watch a lot of court TV, but I wasn't really honed in on this case. But I did see some clips where that kid just seemed, he just has, I don't know if he has a resting bitch face or what, but he just seemed so smug. Very like just smug. And even when he... smug, I just wanted to wipe that smug look off his face. And then there were times that the clip that I saw, it looked like when the judge was reading through all the mitigating circumstances that a judge has to weigh before sentencing. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about... During the eight hours. During the, yeah, during the eight hour that the kid was, it looked like he was about to fall asleep. And I'm thinking your life is in the balance. Yeah. You've, you've, you're, you're going to jail because you beat a woman to death with a baseball bat because you didn't like her grading situation or whatever. And I thought, can you just for one minute look like you've got a shred of emotion? Yeah. It's hard to say though, you know, sometimes attorneys tell you do not show any emotion. And I don't know if that's always a good thing. I know, but in the sentencing phase, you would think that's when you would show the freaking emotion, like show that you've got some remorse. I mean, they got it. They told him to stand up and, and, apologize and he stood up and apologized to the Graber family, to Jeremy's family, to his family, to anybody that cared for Miss Graber. It just but it came across as it he was not only smug but almost smiled at times. And it just it was not impactful and it didn't feel genuine. Yeah. And you would think that of all the rehearsing that you do with your attorneys prior to, to, to trial, yeah, you prior to going into court, that, I mean, that, that sentencing phase, that's would when be, you need to have some oomph behind it. Right. Like, let's say it like you mean it. Yeah. Or maybe he got to that point and he just gave up. I don't know. Maybe he's not sorry. I think jail is the best place for him to go. Well, I would like to ask him, how's your GPA now? <laughs> GPA is not so great. <laughs> and it doesn't really matter now, no, does it? Well, he'll maybe get to take Spanish in prison because I know he'll be able to get his education. He will. There. That's true. And they don't ask for GPA, SAT scores, and all that kind of mm-hmm. crap. No, nope, you get you get your your prison your prison education now. Well, speaking of sentencing, I'm watching the this murder trial where a border a U.S. border agent mm. has been convicted of murdering his mistress, which she didn't realize she was the mistress. <laughs> God. And their 20-month-old son that they shared between them. No. But he, he had denied the son. Like, he denied the son. He wanted her to have an abortion. And she figured out later, it's because he's freaking married. And she didn't realize it. Then when she figured out that he's married with other children, right? she went to him and said, I need child support. I'm trying to put myself through school. I'm trying to I need childcare for this kid. I mean, for 20 months, she had done it on her own. Right. She has another child, too, who at the time was eight years old, seven years old. Mm -hmm. And and this Border Patrol agent on duty went and killed her and then stabbed and slit the throat of that 20-month-old baby. Oh, my god! Disgusting. 
So they're in the sentencing phase right now because he was he, he was convicted of two counts of capital murder and he could possibly get the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And he it's we're on day two <laughs> of sentencing. Today was day two. Tomorrow's continued. Yeah. They're parading a whole lot of people out. So they, it's not just impact statements. It's like a hearing where they're calling witnesses to the stand. Right. Her mom testified. Her sister has gotten up there. And today they were, um, they had a, another border patrol agent that was up there that was like a lead investigator in the case. Right. And he's reading the text messages that were going on on this man's phone an hour prior to and an hour after and two hours after he had killed this woman. And do you know what that guy's doing? He's freaking flirting with another one. Oh, my God. Another woman. So he used women and children as disposable. Absolutely. And his wife never knew any of it. Yeah. I mean, again, this is another person out there who doesn't think about consequences when you play it out in your mind i'm going to kill somebody why aren't why, but he's a trained professional police officer and he probably, knows the consequences but he thinks that he's above the law because oh, he is abs- the law. well and he thought i mean this guy talk about a narcissist he thinks that he's the smartest man on earth oh yeah you know and he is the supervisor on on call on the and he's in charge of the people investigating and he's like he he texts out to one of the agents and says they said something about finding a baby and it and how gruesome it was because the baby wasn't found immediately the bodies were separated right and it's sad because he took this baby out of the stroller mm-hmm. the baby was in the stroller he killed the mom got got rid of her body, and then went after the baby, took the baby out of the stroller, lifted up his shirt, and stabbed him oh my through the heart. God. And when he didn't think that was good enough, he slit that kid's throat. Now, he is holding a baby in his hand and doing this. This is Satan. Yeah. This is Satan's worst nightmare, I think. I don't know that Satan could take him. Maybe not. But now they're doing the sentencing, and so they're reading the, all the text messages that he's, these flirty, flirty text messages. He texts his wife, um, hey, babe, just want to let you know there's some nasty stuff happening at work. I might be a little bit late. I'll explain when I get home. My gosh, what a Diabolical. Nasty, diabolical is right. Yes. And Absolutely. what is his demeanor in court? He looks like he's just freaking bored and don't want to be there. Right. Not one tear has been shed. Like, they, there were grown men that got up on this. Stan, Border Patrol agents, grown men who processed the scene, and they could not keep their composure when it came to that baby. I'm sure. When they brought out the baby's bloody clothes. Yeah. And the little teeny shoes that he was wearing. Oh, my God. And they couldn't keep it together. They really couldn't. I'm sure. So, it's just... Evil. People are bonkers. They are. Everybody needs to calm, calm down. down. Calling in the Taylor Swift. You need to calm down. Everybody, just take a freaking chill Have pill a already. Beer or a drink. Have or some sponsor opportunity. Buffalo Trace <laughs> bourbon cream. <laughs> Life got you down. <laughs> Buffalo Trace bourbon cream picks you back up. Woohoo! <laughs> anyway, well, that oh was my a, gosh, that was we a good go case. Shake it off. Speaking of Taylor Swift, we're gonna shake it. We're gonna shake it off because this is some heavy, off. heavy stuff. I know. It's not I fun. agree, but we really appreciate y'all listening and sticking with us. And here's what you do. You just go make you some blueberry cobbler. Yes. And then you pour yourself some buffalo trace cream. And listen, stop it. Everybody <laughs> stop it with the killing out there. Like, stop I mean, it. Be, stay sweet. Don't be murder. Kind. Be 
God. Come on. Just gosh. Eat Thanks, Sweden. Don't murder because if you kill people, we are going to talk about you and we're not going to be kind. We're not going to be kind. We want to you. be kind. We're not being kind to any murderers. Don't make me be mean. Oh, Do I just not don't make, make me, me be that person that. I don't want to be. But I gotta be when I talk about these stupid ass murdering ass people. Just oh. sorry, Mama. Sorry, Mama. I think we should be able to say ass in our fifties. So that I think we shouldn't have to spell the word S U C K when we <laughs> say it in our fifties as well. I just I don't know what to tell you. I don't either. I just think that ass should be okay. It, it we should be in our fifties, and we can. We can, Assholes. but there is a part of us that doesn't want do to it. disappoint we, our mama. I know. We're having a hard time. We don't so want we, her to when say, we, I love my girls, but I'm disappointed in them. Oh, God. I, I mean, can't take it. Stab me in the heart right now. No, no. So, actually, we, we don't even say asshole when we talk to each other. We say asshole. Asshole. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's what that's how we do. Yeah. We're immature. Are we're scared. We're scared. We're scared. <laughs> we're scared of our mama. We just don't want to be disappointing. No, God We've no. done nothing but try to to make to her proud. To not disappoint. Right. To make yeah. her proud. And yeah, we've that's done true. that. So we don't want to lose it over the F we word. Don't. We don't. The F word. The F word. <laughs> we're just trying to say ass. Oh, God. Don't say ass. Ass, 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 ass. Mama's going to hit you with her shoe. I know, but I'm going to leave I can hear them marching up the stairs right now. Flip, 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 flip. Karen Devaney? Karen Devaney, what are you saying? I know. Oh, well. Well, guys, we love you. Go make nice. some cobbler. Be good to your mamas. Be good to your mama. And don't murder people. For God's sake, stop it. Stop it. All right, guys, we'll see y'all. Have a good I mean, week. we don't see you. We'll, okay, just goodbye. We're this out. has been Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.